Hey everyone, I hope you had a great end of year and holidays. I certainly did, but I am super excited to get back going on the podcast. And today we're launching this first episode with Will Poskett and Rachel Higgins. It's a really fun conversation about some of the key trends that are happening in branding and marketing uh, and things we can expect in 2024 and how you can deal with it as a brand builder. So buckle up and let's talk branding. Maybe, uh, Rachel, for you to start, like, uh, could you quickly introduce yourself? Of course. Hi, everyone. My name is Rachel Higgins. I am the founder of Because of Marketing and co-founder of Cupsley. Um, because of Marketing is a marketing media brand where I share and discuss the latest marketing campaigns. And with my startup business, Cupsley, I am leading, it's a reusable coffee cup, and I'm leading the brand, creative, and marketing side of the business. Will. Beth. Uh, yeah, my name's Will. Uh, when I'm not posting daily on LinkedIn, I'm trying to run a company called Defiant. Uh, and that's been going for just shy of two years now. Prior to that, I was a strategy partner at famous agencies that no one's ever heard of, unless you've worked in advertising such as Drug5, <laughs> Widens and Sarches and stuff. And uh, yeah, and I, I've been working with Rachel on this, um, on this trend report that we've come to talk to you about. And I think before your listeners tune off, let me reassure them, right? I know there's like a lot of trend reports out there, but what we try mm. and do the hard work for them. So we basically read every trend report that we could get our hands <laughs> on. And we oh had a, my, you, you must be tired. Well, we had, a pretty miserable, <laughs> we had a pretty miserable Christmas, really. So we spent our Christmas doing that. And then we've distilled them down into five, but... We'll probably just cover three today, but if that's up to you, up to you, Steph, but maybe just three today. So. Yeah, love that. But uh, just to, to, to give the listeners some context, uh, I've been following you, Will, for, for quite some time on, on Twitter and LinkedIn, and you've always shared really fascinating insights, mostly on, on advertising, but branding and marketing in, in general. So I'm, I'm very excited to, to hear your take on trends because usually I don't invite people talking about trends on the podcast because it's like it's quite the shit show <laughs> so no so i i no no i made an exception for you guys because i feel you really know your stuff <laughs> so voila hit us hit us with some 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 real interesting uh trends wow okay well on that on that bombshell i feel under i feel <laughs> like really under pressure to deliver now but okay well the, the first one we're going to talk to you about is um seek the truth so i don't know if you've heard but there's this thing called ai which is quite popular and there's a lot of mm. AI, ai gurus about now like talking mm. giving you carousels on linkedin five tips to write chat gpt and all that good stuff and i think you know every, nearly every trend report we rachel and i read had a point of view on ai and i think you know in many respects and i know actually steph looking at your stuff you've had a lot of fun having you creating mascots with yeah AI and stuff like that, which really i cool. have and I think there is um, there is an inevitability about AI. I think it is going to come for the creative industry in some shape or form. But what we wanted to do is take a step back and ask ourselves, like from a strategic and creative point of view, like what, you know, AI is coming. What role should brand, brands play in the near term or in the next couple of years? And, you know, looking to the past, we know, we know that the 2010s, like there were many shifts in the 2010s, but perhaps one of the biggest was where we got a new source of news, essentially. So we went from paid, mm. paid news sources to social media. And with that, unfortunately, and with the, you know, and with the rise of the algorithm came a, a total rise in fake news. But I think, you know, the thing about AI is I love this quote. Um, uh, someone was talking about it and they went, we're going to go from the era of deep fakes to the era of cheap fakes. Essentially, new hmm. AI tools are going to make it cheaper. 
and easier than ever before to fake anything, essentially. And, you know, there might be some of your listeners that are quite cynical. Oh, yeah, another guy talking about AI, whatever. Do you know, but I think this, this is kind of inevitable in a way. And you've already seen it happen in 2023. So some stuff that you might already know, but it's, it's worth kind of bringing back, bring up again, is the latest Pixel phone. So I don't know if you saw this, but essentially they have an inbuilt AI tool that allows you to manipulate images. So say you're taking a selfie with a friend that you're not a friend with anymore, you can erase them from the photo. Uh, <laughs> another like break the internet moments where they, I'm sure you remember them, where the someone did a deep fake of the um, of the Pope wearing a puffer jacket. And, you know, that was done in mid-journey in the matter of, I think it was a couple of, a couple of minutes. And then one of the breakthrough <laughs> accounts on TikTok was deep fake Tom Cruise. You know, it's like yeah. deep fakes of that. And I think, you know, in reflection of this world where like the world is going to be more fake than ever and it's going to be the era of cheap fakes. And we found this great stat where essentially 68% of consumers in 2023 were concerned about the continuing spread of fakeness and fake news. I think brands potentially have a role where in an increasingly fake world, brands need to seek the truth. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, Rachel's got three creative examples of brands that might be doing it interestingly. So Rachel, I don't know if you want to cover those up. Yeah. So Dove is one brand that we we kind of feel and we discuss together that absolutely fights the fake. So they, re- they released a marketing campaign called Cost of Beauty. And I don't know if you know about it, Steph, but basically with a... Yeah. Did you know the campaign with females um, growing up and the society that we are in is kind of that way where we're getting filters, we're getting features and a lot of girls are editing pictures. And this is what Dove did really well with their campaign and they fought the fake and they basically brought out this campaign to basically... um, like uh, what's the word basically like kind of like standardized the beauty standard so they had a picture of two 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 females and one was without all these uh, filters and features and the other one was you know with them all as well so I think it is kind of that way where brands do have a responsibility to be truthful and to show this throughout their marketing and within their marketing campaigns um, and another one that we found as well was, I don't know if you've heard of them, but it's the the Zoe app. Uh, Tim Spector, he's got a podcast. Um, they've just partnered with Marks and Spencers as well. And they obviously share a lot of truthful data about your health and your nutrition as well. They're a client of um, of Will, so he could probably tell you maybe a bit more about the marketing as well. But um, yeah, definitely in terms of um, seeking the truth, from a marketing point of view, it is very important and brands do have that responsibility to be truthful in their marketing um, and in their campaigns and in their messaging as well. And I think, I think just to close on this one, um, I think obviously not all, some brands are going to struggle. Like if you're working for a vaping brand, it might be a bit difficult. <laughs> but I, think, I think there is this, you know, in a world of fakeness, there, I think there are some brands, if they've got the right to do it, striving for the truth. Will be part of but I don't know, Steph, you, you might think it's complete nonsense. I love being challenged on this, stuff, so please pick it up. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I mean, it, it's interesting to me, like, like I, I've talked about this podcast a couple of times about purpose and, and you know, uh, it's very much linked to this in a way that actually, if if you really want to seek the truth, it's often like the opposite of what a lot of purpose marketing and, and branding has been about so in that spirit i i like the concept a lot more than like find your why but whatever <laughs> that why is like invented and sugarcoated like seek the truth for me is very interesting in a way that even a vaping company could say like yeah we're maybe a bit shit but maybe a bit less shit than smoking and we, we're not even sure about that like it could be 
there's there's value in saying it like that. So in, in that way, I, I like this honesty. And especially if it's a bit more entertaining, mm -hmm. I think there there's something something there that's definitely interesting. So, so yeah. That's a, really, cool. that's a really great build. I didn't even think about that. Actually. I think we have, as you said, we've been through an era of pur purpose washing. And I think mm. actually, as you said, you know, not doing that, but being true to yourself. Now, being true to yourself could be admitting your flaws. Or you're a, you're a yeah. bit naughty. Do you know what I mean? Like that. That's yeah. truthful. That's a really good build, actually. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and and sometimes it's like the truth can be that maybe you're not that important at all, and even acknowledging that can be fun. And 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 I think a lot of brands suffer from like inflating themselves. So seek the truth, people. I like it. Let, let's good. go for another one. Okay. <laughs> well, the second one I want to be really honest is probably my favorite because I I am quite a sad individual and. I spend a lot of my life watching endless YouTube videos. So I think definitely <laughs> I've borne witness to the, uh, to the second trend. And the second one um, is all about embrace the absurd. So, so what do we mean by that? Well, without being too much of an intellectual planner, I think what really sums up for us, Rachel and I, the state of creativity right now is the, is the quote from the Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Now, now, what do we mean by that? Well, I think it's the best of times. I mean, right now. I'm talking to someone who I've only interacted to, with on Twitter and LinkedIn, and he's got his own podcast. You know, you have access to more creative tools than ever before. You know, I've been learning CapCut this weekend, for example, this week, for example. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, it's a great, it's so much better than Premiere Pro, by the way. I know if you get a sponsorship deal, but try and get CapCut. <laughs> no, 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 no. CapCut is really super fun. Super good. So you have all that. And then obviously with, you know, not to dwell on AI too much, but you have all the AI tools like Midjourney, ChatGPT, making creativity more democratized than ever mm -hmm. before. Yet at the same time, it feels like a lot of the creativity is becoming like a death spiral of mediocrity. So you might mm -hmm. have heard of this stat before, but I, I really love this stat. So at a Hollywood big blockbuster level, the number of sequels and spinoffs has increased 400% by 1981. Like literally if I mm -hmm. go to the cinema and see another trailer for a Marvel movie, I might actually kill myself. Do you know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> an endless copy and paste of the same guff. And then I love this term. I'm, so I watch a lot of like YouTube commentary videos, which is a bit weird, but but they talk about the creator economy and stuff like that and how it works. Yeah. And I love there's this one podcast I watched ages ago where a kid was talking about the Mr. Beastification. I don't know if you've heard of that, yep. the Beastification of YouTube, where he's basically saying that, you know, basically Mr. Beast has created a formula, jump cuts, lots of like, there's annoying thumbnails. Are you, you going to start doing those eventually, Steph? The thumbnails on the podcast, I don't know. You know, the annoying... <laughs> I, I, I paid 10 people and they exploded. Look at my thumbnail. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's you know amazing. I mean? Annoying thumbnails and all the jump cuts and fast edits. And basically, you've seen an endless amount of creators trying to mimic and copy that. And I think it, that is on like steroids on TikTok. But even mm. on LinkedIn, I don't know if you've noticed this, because I've noticed you become more active on LinkedIn, you know, as people move away from Twitter. Mm -hmm. But I've noticed recently people just copy and pasting the same popular post to, to hack the algorithm. Yep. I do it myself sometimes, I admit it. But, you know, no one's perfect. Um, and I think because of that, I think there has become this kind of blandness in creativity. So we've got the best of times, lots of creative tools, you know, AI is going to fuel that as well. But there has been, you know, as the algorithm takes over our lives and we're all slaves to it, I think, you know, there has been a kind of mediocrity of content. So, so how do brands respond to that? Well, it's a really ballsy one. And a lot of brands um, are going are gonna to struggle with it. But I think in a world of blandness, brands need to embrace the absurd. They need to be absurdly different and just be a bit weird and a bit different. And you know, when I talk about brand, I'm not just talking like a Byron Sharp sort of type of brand. Like I'm not just talking about packaged goods yeah. or the brands that we work with. You know, for me, a brand could be a person. So I'm also <laughs> talking about creators. Actually, there's real merit 
in being absurd and a bit trying to be different and a bit weird. So what do we mean by absurd? Well, we'll hand over to Rachel. She's got three great examples. To kind of yeah, we, we love these three examples that we identified um, kind of last year and in previous years. But I think one brand that completely kind of supports and backs up what Will says is Liquid Death. I mean, they are a bottled, well, they are a water company, but the way they market their strategy is completely different, which makes them stand out as well. I mean, they've turned their, their revenue from 3 million to, to 30 million through their through their marketing strategy. Um, so they're really, really observed. They're thinking differently. They're getting a lot of attention on their brand and on their strategy um, as well. Even the name of it, it just doesn't, you just wouldn't think it's a water branded company, which I think is kind of like what Will says. It's kind of like creativity. Everyone's just copying each other. You really have to take a step back and look at the market that you're competing in. They could easily just come in and be another plastic you know water bottle but they've came in and they've done things differently and I think to stand out in the marketing from a creative point of view you do have to be different um and on the topic of being different another one that you probably have seen it I think everyone's seen it it's Jack Muse's CGI um campaign it was the handbags on wheels where they had I actually thought it was in real life um, when I first saw it I thought oh my gosh that is mm. the cool thing ever and it was a CGI campaign but that sparked up so much conversation they, that was another thing that they did differently it made no sense but it made sense it was it was also on brand to Jack Muse um as well so that is one where now we see a lot of more CGI video content being created but they kind of took that big risk to do something differently and it paid off completely paid off um as well so yeah we love that we love that example and I think as well you know we see like what Will said we see a lot of short form content a lot of quick fire edits when you're on TikTok or if you're on YouTube shorts you can kind of tell the more you're scrolling up they're, they all kind of just look the same um, as well. And one brand that did something completely different and by being different, gained them a lot of exposure, which which um, was Hilton's 10-minute commercial on TikTok. Now, obviously, they had Paris Hilton and they had other celebrities, creators. That will boost it. But what a lot of marketers kind of made their comment and point on was the fact that TikTok is known for its short form content. So to do something the complete opposite mm. is a really risky and ballsy move as well. And it did, it paid off. People wanted to watch 10 minutes um, of the commercial as as opposed to just doing quick kind of fire short, uh, short form video content. And I think that is definitely a trend that we're going to be seeing a lot more. We're seeing it more so when it comes to Christmas commercials, three minutes, four minutes, we are seeing longer video commercials because they're the ones that are going to be more remembered. You could probably tell me a 10-minute commercial that you remember as opposed to 10 quick 20-second short-form contents. And obviously, the challenge in doing longer-form content is the storytelling because you want the people to be feeling emotions up and down all the way to the end as opposed to kind of feeling you know the same level the entire time so yeah I think definitely those three supports and backs up what Will's strategic findings were. I think a question for you Stefan because you're really well versed in all things fire and shot I know you've like really up with all like the marketing science 
It's about distinctiveness. Like, can you be absurd and distinctive? That would be. I don't know if you're going to come up with that question, but that for me is what I was going to get in my head. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was on 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 my uh, paper. I was just yeah. writing down. I I think it's like somebody else on LinkedIn just recently made a uh, an interesting thread about like a lot of attention grabbing formats on TikTok or YouTube are very often the opposite of distinctiveness in a way that like you use this meme format or whatever it's very funny and people recognize it and they respond to it but at the same time you're not building that you know mental availability and all of the things that uh, byron who's somewhere up there in in the bookshelves for the people watching um sh should and would tell us so I, I think it's possible, like I have one example that really is like I'm I'm fanboying over is Duolingo. I don't know if you know the Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. those guys. Um yeah, they they have the the mascot on, on TikTok and actually like uh well I talked about it in the last episode with, with uh Dan, but but um it's really fascinating for them that became that really exploded and even on TikTok they're like very often trending so they found a way to introduce a distinctive asset bring it in an entertaining absurd way make it very much uh, like native to the platform they're on and I think that's like I mean yeah it's just it's it's perfect I'm not saying it's possible for every brand but they they found a way to do that and and I think that's really uh, something magic happened there because I think I think what's interesting is like the idea of absurd absurdity. So this, you know, I still struggle. I still sometimes struggle with the difference between differentiation and distinctiveness. But in my yeah. mind, in my mind, differentiation is like how you're different from the competition. Mm -hmm. Whereas distinctiveness is how you're unique, like something unique about yourself. And I think, you know, you can be uniquely absurd. So to your point, how do you do that consistently, right? So Julio is a great example because they've got a vehicle. I know you're big on mascots. It's a mascot to do absurdity with. Um, but another, another like to go back to the because I'm a bit of a YouTube obsessive. Have you heard of this guy called Sam Sulek? No, I haven't. No. So he, for me, illustrates what we're trying to talk about as well. So we've got the Mr. Beast of this world, like the big, yeah. you know, the screaming faces and the extravagance. Sam Sulek's a bodybuilder. I'm not a bodybuilder, as you can tell, but yeah. I came across him on one of these podcasts. And he, um, he's like this guy, big, like big, muscly American college kid, and he's grown to three million followers um, in about a year. And his content is so, it's so absurdly unique. Like, so he's basically like super lo-fi content. It's not even edited. It's annoying. Mm -hmm. you know, we, I know we all try and grow our social following and stuff like that. This guy's blown up. But I think it is because he's kind of upset in a world where everyone's Mr. Beast. He's like old school YouTube. And it's very, it is a distinctive asset. And it is kind of uniquely absurd as well, maybe as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just to, 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 to riff on that, I was watching YouTube uh, two days ago and I saw I, I was a huge like uh, I'm, I'm a, I was a DJ myself back in my younger times. And I saw this couple like playing spinning tunes and they were having breakfast. They were baking pancakes like they were switching. The one was doing pancakes, making juices. The others were spelling records. I was like kind of cool I vibe. I think I was. Yeah. And it's not a time to get a dodgy tash. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like they, they have this chilly vibe, and then I see they have this whole channel. I don't know how many hundred thousands or millions of followers, but it's just them like spinning tunes and I don't know what, bake, making dinner or doing something. And it's such a unique format that it, I, I mean, that's so so cool. But it that is very challenging for for brands. And I, I meant to ask that question to you guys as well, like. 
how like I think creators have this unique opportunity because they can really like lean in on their personality and what they love. And some of them, you know, just take off because they're so unique. But what can brands really learn from them? Because as a brand, it's really not that easy to do this. Like, how do you, what can you take from this world of, of YouTube? Oh, that's a big, that's a big. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Rachel. I think it's that way where you've just got to experiment. You you really just have to kind of try everything, mm. um, you know, which is on brand to yourself. But I think if you're not failing, you're not learning. So if a brand, you know, whether you're a startup brand or whether you've been quite established, you can look back at, if you're a startup brand, I would probably say to kind of experiment and fail and see what your content, see who's reacting to your content, learn from that and kind of repeat the process. But I think if you're an established brand and, you know, you're you're not getting enough awareness or you're struggling to, to just kind of be remembered out there, I think it's that way we're looking back and seeing what has previously worked and then also looking at kind of the trends and forecasting the future as well so for example going back to um you know with ai we can't escape ai at the moment but what we can do is use it to our advantage as well so i think there's kind of ways in this where brands can i mean any campaign or anything a brand's trying to do it's going to be challenged it's a tough competition doesn't matter what market you're in as well but i think it is kind of leaning into the, the tools and the resources that you do have and then trying to kind of test and, and come up with a different way um leaning into kind of focus groups micro if you've got like a micro community as well um and yeah probably just kind of testing and experimenting to find out what what's going to work well i think the uh, i i agree with you right. i think the first point on experimentation is super interesting so I've had the unfortunate pleasure, and I'm probably going to lose clients by saying this, but I've had the unfortunate pleasure of working with some pretty big companies over the years. And I'm, mm. sure, you have, I'm sure you both have as well. And often it's such a conservative corporate mm. business environment, and there's a real fear of risk. Um, and you're right, you know, what creators can do because of their own brand or own companies, they can do whatever they want and, and yeah. find something, experiment until something works and double down on it. I think maybe brands should have like an absurdity budget where maybe 10% of the budget mm. It's just to do wild and wacky stuff until yeah. something sticks and then double down on it. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Like, I love that. I love that the absurdity budget. It's just like a bucket where let's do crazy stuff. I, I really yeah. like that. Maybe, maybe will um, like as you're probably like you're often advising on strategy that that sits behind campaigns. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like. I can't imagine you're often your job is often to like challenge clients to get them out of their comfort zone. Like, how do you, as a strategist, like set the scene for for doing something that stands out? That's a really good question. Yeah, that's an excellent question, Steph. I think good question. I think if I'm <laughs> honest, yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> what have you learned in twenty years in two minutes? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> No, it's a great question. So I, I think actually it raises a really good point. So if I'm on it, this is my opinion, so it might be wrong, but in my mm. own experience, the easy part of strategy is writing a strategy that's great, right? Do you know what I mean? Mm. And after a couple of years, most people can get to a point of writing a great sort of strategy. The hard part is selling it, right? Or convincing conservative people to do it, to, to be a bit absurd. There's no right or wrong way. I think a couple of things that I do is first, I think it's an obvious one, but it's a problem that I had at the beginning of my career. I didn't listen. 
So by my, by my own admission, I was probably a bit young and arrogant. And I was like, don't worry, client, this is what you're going to do. And be like, who's this, who's this guy? So at the beginning of any project, I always like listen to the key state, stakeholders and get out of their brain and their ego, everything that they want to hear. And then when it comes to playing back that strategy, you play back often a lot of what they say. And the other thing is like, um, it's an obvious trick. I'm sure you do it yourself, Steph, as a strategist, but you know, it's about often make, you know, there's that classic story arc you, 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 you tell as a strategist, we start here, there's a big dramatic problem and we're going to resolve it through the strategy, right? And when you get to that big problem, that's your opportunity to reframe it as actually what we're going to do now is not, it's not a brave choice. Actually, it's far braver mm-hmm. to carry on doing the normal nonsense that you do and it's not achieving the results, right? So it's reframing it. Um, and then effectiveness, like, you know, I think when you can, if you do get a bit of an absurdity budget and they go with a little idea, like look, Liquid Death's a great example. They did that first video, I'm sure you've seen, of the, you know, the woman and the ironing mm-hmm. board. Went super viral. Obviously, it works. They compounded it and doubled down. So the final thing is like proving the effect. So even at a small startup, you know, get some of the figures if you can, and then hopefully it will unlock more budget. But that, I mean, that's no guarantee for success. I've had some great clients over the years that are up for it, and I've had some clients that I won't mention on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I just want to like, uh, uh, sorry, Rachel, just wanted to pick up like, I, I think what you said, Rachel, about experimentation and that last point, what you said, Will, about like smaller experiments that build up to something big. I think, I don't think there's a lot of brands or even creators for that matter that really start out with these big absurd stunts from the get go. Like even Mr. Beast, like look at his first. I don't know what, 10 years, they were like small, sometimes weird videos, but he didn't like develop his whole style and format until he finally iterated a million times on it. And now it's there and now you can see it works. But, and I think it's the same for Liquid Death and a lot of these brands, we, we see the successes, but well, obviously they, they got a really good like philosophy from the get-go that helped them accelerate. But even still, it's like experiment with smaller things, show that these work in some way and then build on them. I think that's my favorite way of, of, of doing it. So I, I love that. Rachel, you were saying something. Yeah, I was saying that that's brilliant. That's actually correct. Um, I think as well, it, it kind of goes back to that whole brand building. So kind of like investing in the brand to build up a brand, to build the brand's establishment, recognition, audience, trust. And then once you've got that, then you can then you've kind of got a bit more leeway um to, to take a risk. Whereas like you say, and I should have said that at the start, it's not just start a business and go all big and do a big massive risk. You do have to kind of build your build your brand first. And then when you've got to a point, you can then be like, you know what? We either we either flop or we either fly. And it's kind of that way when you can then, you know, bring in a strategist and be like, you know, we're 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 struggling at the moment. We want to take this risk, not a huge risk that doesn't that we still know who we are, but just doing something that's a little bit different and seeing how it goes. It's kind of similar to the Jack Muse one, where it was on brand, but it's a little bit different. It's not massive, it's one video. But I mean, it paid off. It absolutely paid off. It changed the industry. But that they, but if they didn't do that, they would have still been playing it safe and you know staying in their comfort zone. And that's somewhere where I think a lot of brands they kind of just get in that sticky. They just get they feel stuck, and sometimes they're not you know they're a little bit too scared to to take that jump. But I mean, even ourselves, we've all got personal brands. You know what it's like if you do something outside your comfort zone you're going to learn from it and it may even benefit you. So same as brands as well. 
And I think, and I think uh, sorry, so I was going to say, I just had one final thought on the absurdity budget as well. Like, on a topical thing, we've all been talking about the Snoop Dogg thing, right? Yeah. So I think the, the caveat with the absurdity budget is what the caveat with the absurdity budget is what you measure. So I'm sure you know that that campaign grew awareness like really big, yeah. but yeah. didn't achieve short term sales. We all know long and short of it. Brands grow. Yeah. So if you're going to do absurdity budget, it's not about flogging loads of uh, smokeless fire pits or whatever it was in year <laughs> one. It's about growing brand aware. You know. So yeah. we have to ensure yeah. we made that budget the right KPIs are set as well. Sorry, I just had that running. No, so. but it's a, it's a super important uh, caveat to bring because I, I, I think that's one of the biggest problems is when you do get to do something and then it's like, oh, where's the sales? Well, no, like make sure you set the right expectations and you watch the right signals. Otherwise, it's just going to go in the bin and you're never going to be able to do it again. So, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a big one. Let's talk one more trend, guys. Come on. I'm Which curious one do you want to do, Rich? Well, up to you. Which one do you want? I love, I love the playfulness one. I like, I like that one. I oh. think it's something that I like. The, I like the word. So, so I'm curious. You got me. <laughs> well, in, in, in full transparency, I think this is where I might have run out of ideas when I was doing the strategy bit because this really, <laughs> in truth, is a rehashing of a trend report I did last year. Oh well, no, actually, you know what I should say is a strategist. This goes to show that our prediction was right all along. That's and we're <laughs> <laughs> voilà. that's yeah. it it confirms all of the beliefs my future gazing was right last year exactly so as i'm sure you know many of your listeners will know and we i, I can definitely relate to this you know we're going through an absolute it feels like the 2020s an absolute hellstorm you know we've gone from a global pandemic to kind of a cost of living crisis in the uk at least we've had capital rights in america you know it's been one crisis after another and i think now you know with a with a Last time I mentioned AI again on this podcast, but you know, with the rise of AI, many people are worried about the future security of their jobs as well. And I think you know, it, this has made people actually reconsider kind of their future paths. There's all this data out now that younger generations are actually putting less priority on like getting a job, nine to five job. Part of the reason I started my own company, to be honest. Um, and people are increasingly like for new, you know, new career paths or kind of new journeys in their life. And I think you know, in this world of uncertainty and where people don't know where they're going. Um, Really, and I think it's thankfully it's the thing that a lot of strategists have been banging the drum on Twitter and LinkedIn for a while now. Thankfully, but let's just stop being so serious as brands, and let's just like reevaluate. Like, actually, a brand plays a very little role uh, in people's lives. It's all about growing mental availability, getting top of mind, uh, and one of the great ways to do that in a world of seriousness and crisis is just help people escape a little, or give them a little bit of joy through playfulness. You know, be a bit more playful and funny, and don't take yourself too seriously. And I think, as you said earlier, stuff. You know, please. No more Kendall Jenner Pepsi's, no more purpose for us. Um, so I'll hand over to um, Rachel to talk about a couple of examples on this one. Yeah, I think um, I think like what Will said, in a world where a lot of people are kind of stressed, it's even in even times in January when the weather's down and, you know, everyone's just feeling those January blues, kind of like escaping through the power and the creativity of marketing. I think so many people, like, for example, the one I love the most is spec savers where they have the should have got the spec savers and those um those ads yeah. are, they're they're brilliant they're so funny they just make you smile and they make you laugh and you know the creativity is phenomenal and one brand if we're talking about you know playfulness 
leading into playful partnerships and the brand last year that just executed this phenomenally was Barbie for their Barbie movie. Um, obviously, Barbie's a big brand, but the way they did, they did not have to do all those partnerships. They did not have to change the world pink, mm. you know, but they did and it was fun and it was playful and so many smaller companies, um, they jumped on board as well. And it was kind of as if, you know, what they had started from the top, it fed all the way down and everybody felt involved. Everyone was, it just, it was just such a phenomenal, playful partnership. And I think that's something that brands should kind of learn from and lean into as well. It's just to have fun, you know, like take the reins off, like let your creative team come up with different ideas. And this comes into the whole experimentation um, kind of like goal as well to fail forward, but to have fun whilst doing it as well and um yeah another another example was the mcdonald's uh, which was released at the start of january last year and um this one was a minute commercial which is interesting because it goes back to that whole short form these long form content but this was a minute commercial called raise your arches and it was set in an office and it was so relatable to so many people that are in the office um and yeah it was it was a fun relatable commercial where the music was great it was just as if kind of like you were immersed in this commercial um as well and i think that's why brands should just lean into their lean into their playful side have fun with partnerships have fun with their content social content commercials and campaigns as well because i think we're we can see it all clearly now whether it's going to be kind of a successful campaign or not a lot of the time is when it's relaxed and it's you can tell if a campaign looks like it's been fun to make as well um so i think with the the barbie collaboration with the mcdonald's in the office you can tell everyone's just having a good a good time and it, you do escape from that whole stress and just the kind of the tough things in, in life as well so yeah have fun with your marketing yeah. be playful <laughs> It's only marketing. We're not saving lives, are we? Have a bit of fun. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like, I, I don't know if, if you guys read like anything from Paul Feldwick, but that's like his whole his whole spiel. And, and, and I think it's such an important message. Like, But even what you said, Rachel, about have fun in the marketing team, like it's so important. Like I think we really forget about it. And, and there is a lot of science to it. I mean, there is a lot of anal analysis to it. You can get really deep in the Excel sheets. And especially if you're in performance marketing, you can see this as like a, a machine where you pump in stuff and you, you know, but really like every time, anytime when I've been in a team where there's chemistry and fun, like the, the, the content is just or the, the ads or whatever you're creating is it's just sparkling and and it's so stupid but you you have to find a way to make that happen and 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 one other point i like about when coming back to distinctiveness and differentiation barbie could have only pulled that off because of their distinctive codes you know like you can they can just slap a billboard in pink and put a phone on it and it's already like some kind of almost cultural stunt but mm -hmm. that's only because they had built up the, that consistency in their codes over so many decades and i think we we tend to say like well yeah it's barbie it's like easy but but it's not like uh, first they they had this history and then as you said like they they went for the most creative 
out there partnerships and they did it like a, a long-term campaign where they did a lot of planning but they also had a lot of fun so so i guess it's like a multitude of things that came together there that made that a success and and playfulness was probably one of the the most important ones so i love that one cool. yeah all right, we're we're at the thirty-five minute mark. Maybe uh, maybe we don't need another like a full trend. Uh, we have already three, but maybe like to share some of other ideas or things that you see coming in twenty-four. Will or Rachel, anything that's top of mind as we're discussing a lot of things that are being discussed on LinkedIn or TikTok or whatever. Mm-hmm. I I th- um I do think well <laughs> I don't know maybe I'm blinded by my own sort of reality but I do see I mean because we're we're having this tough I think around the world a lot of people struggling economically I do see the rise of mm. people like all of us actually like more people setting up their own micro agencies or micro businesses definitely seen a lot of that in the UK where I'm based but you know serving brands around the world but you know, a lot more of that I think also it's kind of cringe I kind of hated it for a while but. There is this like business influencer thing going on, isn't there? Do you know what I mean? Like, I think, okay, I've got, I've got a hypothesis, and maybe it's not that interesting. Shoot, shoot it, man. We're 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 looking into the future anyway, so might as well go all in. <laughs> so here's here's my mega trend for the next five years, and it's maybe total nonsense, but I think you know, think about. So we had the era of influencers, right? Like the Mr. Beasts and the PewDiePie's and all that. Mm-hmm. Now their audience, majority, as you know, were under eighteen, right? Now those kids mm-hmm. are growing up, and their taste is changing. They want people to give them professional advice or they want more kind of like content like this, maybe like more serious grown up content. So I think there will be, and there already is, to be honest, like there, a wave, you know, there'll be more Mark Ritsons, basically. That's yeah. yeah. Love that. Rachel, Any anything else? Uh... Um, I think, yeah, I think kind of more from oh, a macro, I've kind of got a macro and a micro trend, but I think kind of from a macro trend, we're seeing a lot more people investing in brand. And I think, you know, one recent example is, um, I'm sure you've seen it, but Cadbury are celebrating their 200 years um, of, of the brand. And I think it's kind of that way where the reason that this recent campaign has done so well, that they've been going for 200 years is because they've invested in their brand right from the start. So I think it's kind of that way where when you are building a startup or even if you are an established brand, to continue to kind of look inwards and seeing what consistencies, like whether that's kind of like the campaigns you're doing or the 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 colour of your brand um, as well. I think a lot of people are investing in their brand and also their personal brand as well. So kind of like what Will said with LinkedIn, it's not just it's not just the brand on LinkedIn you're seeing, it's the employees who are the kind of the, the, the micro influencers of the brand as well. So when you think of someone, you then think of that brand. So it's a little bit reversed. Um, but I think, yeah, we're going to see a lot more of that this year. And I think we're going to see a lot more um, micro communities as well. I think um, we already see, for mm. example, represent I always use this example because they're they're great guys but um they have like a 247 running club and it's bringing the community they've built online to offline and I think a lot of other brands are going to start kind of finding what what fits in with like what fits within their niche and community so obviously running is a key theme and it ties in with their 247 line um, and I think other brands are going to also kind of dive into that and bring their community from online into real life through events and kind of pop-up stores and 
these kind of community weekly gatherings or whatever they decide to do. But what about you, Steph? You can't get away with this. What's your big mention? I know, what's yours, Steph? <laughs> I, I mean, Rachel was kind of hinting at it, but uh, no, no. Rachel, basically what, what I'm predicting is what you were saying. Like the physical part for me, like there's a couple of ways to tie it together. Like you guys said, and we talked about AI, and I think it's indeed going to be a problem where at a certain point, like what we see on screens is going to be so hard to say whether it's real or not. That the whole physical thing, like seeing people in real life is become is going to become even more valuable. And like, just to like, we just launched this running campaign with, with Alan and, and I'm, we, we did some events last year and I see so much value and so much like real business impact from these types of physical things. And I think tying that back to like, how do you scale these things at scale? Because that's a problem, of course, like physical things. You can't get like a million people in a room and, and to build a brand, often you need those numbers. I think like the combination of doing these physical things and then leveraging some of these like YouTube like styles of, of editing and bringing them authentically to a larger audience for me is like the connect of how you can build a brand in in, in 2024 and that's definitely what I'm I aiming for so yeah just building on top of what you guys said great I love it yeah it's exciting for that, this was a, a lot of, a lot of future gazing but thank you so much for it I think there are some 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 real value here and uh, I hope the listeners enjoyed and thanks for coming on Rachel and will maybe just uh, quickly mention where people can can find you or get in touch online yeah, of sure. Course. Yeah. Um, well, we put the report uh, live on uh, on my site. So it's hello defiant slash trends 2024. I'll send you a link, Steph, so you can. Yeah, it'll be in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. So we've got the report there. And then I think mainly, I think LinkedIn. So I'm, you know, shit post. Can I swear on the podcast? You can. There's, yeah, a, I, there's, I, there's a no children I, label on top. <laughs> I, I shit post most days on LinkedIn. So probably find me on there. I, I deleted my Twitter account this week. So I'm no longer on Twitter. So Same here. So, yeah. Um, I'm the same. You can Rachel. find LinkedIn. Uh, Rachel Higgins is my name, and also follow because of marketing on LinkedIn as well for all these playful and fun and <laughs> risk-taking marketing campaigns that the brands are coming up with. Love it, guys! Thanks so much for being on. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you so much for it. having us. All right, that was it for this episode. As always, if you want to stay up to date on the latest news new episodes tutorials sneak peeks bonuses all that stuff go visit letstalkbranding.substack.com hope to see you in the next episode